Good evening and welcome back to Channel 17's ongoing coverage of the 2020 election and budget, municipal budget presentations. And, and now we're actually continuing with South Burlington as we're going to look at their master plan. Um, and it's my pleasure to reintroduce and also introduce new folks. And this is Elizabeth Fitzgerald, who is the chairman of the school board, Gary Macris, and, and Gary, what's your title? The Director of Operations. Director of Operations, Superintendent David Young, and Bridget Burkhardt. And Bridget? I am a school board member and school board of member. the school board and this year. Yes. These folks are going to give you, um, in a very short period of time, at least a very <laughs> quick um, overview of the exciting um, projects that are happening in South Burlington. And they're going to be to explain a little bit more about what's going on. And, and Bridget, do you want to start? or? Um, well, I'll just kick it off. We have, David? again, we, as you, you're right, we have a lot of information. As I said before, a lot of this information is available on our website. Yep. So again, uh, and uh, what's the website? The www.spschools.net. And then there's also a special website that you can link right from there. And we'll hit it here, I think, in, in the presentation. It's www.southburlingtonvtschools.com is the project website. And if there are viewers out there that want to call in tonight to ask a, a specific question, please do. The number is 862-3966, and we have a, we're ready for you if you want to call in, and these folks want to hear from you. Go ahead, David. So we're going to kick this off again. Um, uh, Bridget uh, is going to walk us through um, kind of the overview of where we are. There's a lot of history here. Um, Again, you heard that um, Elizabeth has been part of the board for 15 years. Most all of her 15 years has been part of conversations around master planning um, and good stewardship. Um, but before you tonight is to talk about where we are currently, and that is uh, an option that the school board moved forward uh, to build a new high school and middle school. And so we're going to walk you through there. We would love for people to ask questions. And again, the rest of us, I think, will be able to you know, pipe in and, and help answer some if, if they great. come. That's mm -hmm. great. Great. So, uh, the things we're going to talk about briefly tonight are how did we get to where we are, the process that we used to get there, the need for this project, and then we'll talk a bit about why we think this is the right project for South Burlington. We'll talk about the cost, obviously, which is forefront in a lot of people's minds, and we'll talk about the timing. So how did we get here? Um, as has been alluded to, Elizabeth and the board have been looking at master planning for many, many years. Um, back in, I think it was about 2008, we developed a long-term stewardship plan um, that laid out, and it was sort of a rolling 10-year plan of what we thought we would need to do for stewardship at all five of our schools. Um, the challenge that we were finding is that either bigger things were cropping up that we hadn't had in that long-term plan, or that we were rescheduling things that were really too big to fit into an annual operating budget. So for example, I'm finishing up my fourth year on the board. I know even before I came on the board, there were drawings and there was a plan for a new high school cafeteria and that's kind of been delayed and delayed and delayed. And so we've kind of gotten into a little bit of reactive mode on some of these things and putting off some of the bigger things. So we took a decision as a board that we really needed to look carefully at the middle school and high school because they are the most dated out of our five schools. And so in 2017, we made that decision over the course of the 2017-18 school year. We, um, we did phase one of a master planning and visioning study to look at the infrastructure of the middle school and the high school. Just the infrastructure, the structural systems, the HVAC, those kinds of things. And we had a report out of that that showed us that there was some need there, and we'll go a little deeper into that in a minute. 
And then the 2018-19 school year, we spent a lot of time talking about what our educational vision is as a community, um, what we're already doing in the schools and what we would like to be doing in the future to meet the needs of our students and the changing needs of the workplace that they'll go into when they get out of our schools. And out of that came some options for the board to consider. So we really did think about a whole range of options after that study. So you can see on this slide, uh, we thought about infrastructure-only renovations. So what if we just opened up the buildings and focused on the aging HVAC systems, electrical systems, those kinds of needs, um, up to what can we do if we just add a little bit of money to that? It turns out not to be a little bit of money, as we'll see in a minute. But if you add just the highest priority things, which um, interestingly, our cafeterias and auditorium and gym space, those core spaces that are really just overcrowded right now, um, that would be sort of option two, these limited educational improvements. And then there was a whole bucket that were, you know, renovation and addition options. So perhaps build a new high school and then renovate the middle school to try to get all the educational improvements that we believe that we need. And then we went all the way up to new construction. This is the high-level cost back in April of 2019 when we were presented with those options. And these were based on not a lot of design work, but enough design work to kind of understand if we look at apples to apples, all these different options, um, how can we make a decision about which one we take forward? Because the design process itself is expensive. It costs a few hundred thousand dollars to work on a design and really take it to fruition. So we can't really be working parallel with multiple different designs. So as a board, we really looked at the cost benefit, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, and decided that we really did need to go with option eight, which is a new middle school and high school. And I'll get into more detail about why we chose that. We decided um, headline that renovations for infrastructure only were simply not a good use of the community's money. As you can see, infrastructure only ranged from about 55 to $60 million in expenses. And what we would do in that scenario is have a very disruptive few years of school, kids in trailers, working in buildings that are under renovation, taking out walls and ceilings and floors, and putting in a lot of new infrastructure, and then putting it all back just the way it was. So that doesn't really include changing configuration to meet the educational needs that we identified, any of those things that really make the school experience different for students and staff. So we decided that was not the way to go. And it sounds like from that chart also uh, that there's no education, you, you get no support or any help from the state on some of those that things That is true, well. and that is, so, that is something that's different about Vermont than some of our surrounding states, and it's been a challenge, and it's been the reason that there hasn't been a lot of school construction, even at the renovation level around the state, and that's really becoming a problem, not just for our district, but especially in rural districts that are experiencing declining enrollment, or in districts that have been consolidated because of Act 46, trying to figure out how they're gonna house all those students. Um, so there's a real need, not just in South Burlington, but across the state for some kind of state construction aid. That went away about 13 years ago in, in Vermont, uh, whereas Massachusetts and Maine and places like that fund up to 80% depending on the need of a community um, of their school uh, projects, their school construction yeah. projects. So we got a little bit deeper into, I'll go a little bit deeper into the need um, for infrastructure. Um, so we found uh, through the phase one study, and that's available online as well as David said on the SB Schools website, 
that the buildings have been very well cared for. We've done a good job of doing the, the annual necessary maintenance, but there are some big systems like HVAC, for example, like plumbing, for example, that really are at the end of their usable lives and they are going to need to be replaced sometime in the next few years. We'd like to do it in a planful, thoughtful way as opposed to letting one of them completely break down and having to do it in an emergent way. We're already at the situation with some of our HVAC systems, for example, where we are constantly kind of on guard, constantly doing maintenance, Gary will tell you, from having to be that person responsible for that. Um, and the challenge, you can see only, a, there are many more pictures of infrastructure on the website, but some of our systems are completely original and we're having trouble even finding parts or finding people who can really do the service on those kinds of systems. And I think this is similar to a lot of schools that were built in the same era. Um, and so we came to the understanding that there were significant renovations needed uh, to fix things like leaking roofs and inconsistent temperatures, um, safety challenges in our parking lots and you know conflict between pedestrians and buses and cars. And so the idea was if we were going to spend that kind of money, we really thought to be responsible, we needed to take a look at what we were doing for the next 60 to 75 years of education in South Burlington, which is what we did um, during the phase two study. Some of the needs that were identified during that study, one of them as David alluded to during the budget conversation is capacity. So for example, at the high school, we have about 925 students at the high school. Our demographer who updates projections every couple years guesses that we are gonna be at about 125 additional students within 10 years. Based on what we're estimating for next year, given what we've already seen in enrollment, we may actually get about half of that even just over the next couple of years. So we may actually be beyond that. And the high school is already overcrowded. So the high school is already at about 4% over what theoretical capacity of the school is. So if the projections are right, if the demographer is right, we're going to be at about 18% over capacity uh, within 10 years. And that overcrowding is really causing challenges with scheduling. It's causing challenges with kids not having a place to eat. We have three different lunch periods at the high school. Um, and still, um, you can see from, you know, from this picture, for example, um, it's very crowded and chaotic. And there's not a lot of room for the kids. You see kids eating like on the stairs to the auditorium, you know, wherever they can kind of find a corner of school to, to eat and congregate, they do. Um, some of the other needs, for example, um, this little white building over here is um, our walk-in freezer for our kitchen. There's just not enough space for all the things that we need in this kitchen that was built in the 1960s. Um, the little gray building here is our servers and, and some of our IT infrastructure, which again, there's just no space for in the school right now. Can I, can I ask? Um, yes. So, this, you're projecting the building project to, to provide, hopefully, for in the next 60, 70 years. Yes. The, the other versions that you looked at, were, which were just minimal renovations, how much time does that buy you? You know, if you, if, I mean, it, it seems like that, that's not going to buy you many years to you know, just do the lower renovations and things. Um, it's hard to project exactly how yeah. much time it would buy us. We would guess more in the neighborhood of 30 or so years, but yeah. then you kind of end up with, you know, a 70, or I mean, I'm sorry, a 30 plus a 90 year old building that still has a lot of challenges when you get to the end of that period. And we've, we've lost those years in the interim for what we could be right. doing educationally. Um, so that was, that was part of the driver behind yeah. the, the decision. Um, one of the really big drivers is that the needs uh, for our students are very different than they were when these buildings were built. So employers are looking for people. We hear this from employers. This isn't just guessing. We hear it from employers. We hear it from colleges who are accepting students. They need students who are very effective communicators and collaborators. And our educational model has changed to make sure that those students have those attributes when they get out of high school. 
Unfortunately, we're trying to do that in the, the layout that was built in the 60s, where it was built for desks in rows with a teacher at the front. We need different size spaces for different types of learning. We need project spaces. We need to bring a little bit more technical education back into the curriculum, not just for kids who are focused on a technical career after South Burlington, but also students who want to integrate that into a broader plan for personalized learning. And we just don't have those spaces. This building was also built when there was no special education done in the building. It was done someplace else. And integrating students who need special education and help with the mainstream curriculum is a real challenge. Well. Yep, it's a real challenge. Yep. So this educational model I was talking about really is interdisciplinary and integrates um, lots of different uh, pieces and parts and different departments. And right now those are kind of far flung across the building. Mm -hmm. So to do a project in a, in a STEM discipline, for example, that touches on all these things, you have students moving around the building trying to find the professors they need, trying to find the other students they need. And those are what we call adjacencies. So we don't have the right adjacencies. At the middle school, um, there's a team teaching approach, and these different colors are sort of teams um, for the middle school. And we've been working to try to do it in a building that was really designed as a junior high, which was meant to have sort of a homeroom where you go off to different departments. Instead, um, we've, we've tried to go to the team model, but our teams are somewhat far flung, just based on the spaces that each different, um, each different discipline within the team needs. So the, the English um, language arts, um, the social studies, the science, and the math all kind of work together to work with a about 100 students in our teams. Um, I know people think of South Burlington as a very sporty school. We really are low on gym space. Um, so for example, at the high school, we have one competition court. It can be divided in two for practice, but with the number of basketball and volleyball teams and things that we have, it means students are sort of staying very late into the evening to get mm -hmm. their practices because we kind of have to stack them up one after the other. At the middle school, you can see here, anybody who's been to a competition in the middle school knows it's kind of a safety hazard. So the parents are all crammed up against the wall or in the entryway trying to watch. And that's been an identified need for a very, very long time. You mentioned accessibility earlier. Accessibility is a real challenge yeah. in the high school as well. Uh, we won't get into too much detail. Um, natural light, we know that there's a good impact on student outcomes and all of our well-being when we're working in places that have natural light. Over 50% of the middle school has no natural light. They're interior spaces. The ones that do have natural light have very tiny windows um, that were sort of part of the, the best practice of design when the building was built in the 60s. Um, in terms of health and wellness, um, it's a struggle. This is our indoor track team practicing in the hallways at South Burlington, which is where they practice. Um, indoor track is actually our largest sport by participation because it doesn't make cuts. It's very inclusive. It's a great sport to sort of support other sports during their off seasons. Um, but the bigger issue, I think, as a board that we really thought about was that really we only have the space to require a year and a half of PE. And there isn't a lot of space for kids to get indoor activity during the long winter months in South Burlington or in Vermont. Um, and so we do a survey every year of different behaviors um, with our students. And it, the students report that a, a very large percentage of them do, do no physical activity during the week, especially during those winter months, if they're not an athlete or if they're not actively in a PE class. And so the physical education and athletic center that we're talking about as part of this plan is meant to sort of help them um, have those opportunities to transform our physical education program to get students thinking more like adults and taking responsibility for their own health and wellness um, and to help them develop good habits for, for the rest of their lives. 
Um, there are some safety issues because these buildings were built at a different time in terms of codes. So there's, there are sprinklers only in a portion of the high school that was added on in the 70s. The rest of it doesn't have sprinklers. We know there are hazardous materials, and we've talked about this at budget season every year, and we're remediating them bit by bit by bit, and we're assured that they are safe as long as they're not disturbed, but we know there's asbestos. We know from recent testing that there is lead in some of the buildings, PCBs in the window coatings, those kinds of things. I touched briefly on parking and circulation and drop-off, um, and as I said, lead found in some of our water, which has required us to shut off some of our uh, faucets and having to work on that. Um, sustainability, these buildings have very um, low levels of insulation just in the way that they were built. And so there are real needs in terms of addressing sustainability over the long term, um, both from a cost perspective, but also obviously doing the right thing for the environment and, and making sure that, that we're being responsible with our buildings. Um, and so that brings us to the project. So the project, as I think a lot of people don't know, or maybe don't know, um, is a 145,700 square foot middle school, um, which is the sort of left side, the left side to orient you is of this picture is the north side of the campus. Um, so those three little pods on the top, that's our middle school, uh, connected to a high school. They would share a kitchen, they would share infrastructure to improve efficiencies, but they would have separate dining commons, separate entrances, and those kids will be separated during the day unless they are do doing a class in one or the other school they need to go there. And then the rectangle to the south of the property is an 89,700 square foot physical education and athletic center. And I'll walk uh, just briefly through the site plan or the plans for the schools. This is level zero, so our property drops off on the south end, and we're taking advantage of that with this design by putting the first level of the physical education and athletic center on that lower level. So you walk into the top level of the physical education and athletic center from the high school and then go down to the track. And that would be for both schools, for middle school and, and high school? So the middle school, we'll, I'll show you on the floor, plan. the middle school is going to have its own gym. Okay. So the middle school obviously will be able to use this for competitions right. and those kinds right. of things. The community will be able to use this when we're not using it right. for something specific. Um, but the middle school will have its own gym for PE and okay. for the other things that it needs. The important thing there is that the high school, as Bridget said, will not have the gym in, in, in the brick and mortar. Right. The, yeah. it, it, this is the... This is, it's, it's the gym, it's the, the health classrooms as well. Sort of all the health and wellness infrastructure that would normally have to be programmed into the high school was programmed into that physical education and athletics center um, with the addition of just putting a track around is okay. basically what we did there. Okay. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, this whole model for education, the idea is to sort of create these hubs of different disciplines that work together. So STEM hub, a business and career hub. And this ELA here doesn't refer to English language arts. It refers to extended learning areas. And so that's sort of best practice right now for how we get kids to have project space with passive supervision. Um, and we really think that it helps develop these collaboration skills, these teamwork skills. We really think it helps students stay engaged because it allows a kind of project-based learning that really speaks to their strengths and their interests and gets them excited about what they're doing at school. They're not just sitting sort of being fed information that they need to, to memorize and regurgitate. This is what an ELA looks like in a school that was built in Massachusetts just a couple years ago. And this is kind of what a floor plan would look like at the middle school and at the high school um, for an ELA. So you can see the core classrooms um, designed around an ELA. These smaller rooms can be used for breakout rooms for projects. Um, there's space in this, in this little ELA in the middle for projects. Um, and these smaller spaces can also be used to provide extra tutoring, um, special education services, those kinds of things. It really brings that more on team. 
working with the other educators. Those, those extended learning areas are, are pretty smart in the traditional long hallways, you know, by opening them up, as you see what Bridge is pointing out, really does allow for a really nice utilization of, of these spaces. Again, obviously there's passive supervision, as she mentioned, but it's really a, a, a quite unique design. And so you can see on the level one floor plan, you can see the pods on the, the sort of northeast corner of the school would be the middle school. So there'd be two levels to those, um, and each one would represent a team, so two teams per grade. The orange part in the middle is the gymnasium. Mm -hmm. The red parts are things like band and chorus, tech fabrication labs, um, arts, uh, visual arts, those kinds of things. The light blue all over the plan is administrative and guidance and those kind of support services, so wherever you see those. The pink spaces are special education uh, spaces. And then the green spaces uh, in the middle that kind of flow through are the dining commons for the middle school and then the shared kitchen and the dining commons for the high school. As we come over to the high school, these red spaces all together are visual and performing arts all clustered together. So one of the challenges we have in the current school is that our band and chorus rooms are up on the second floor while our stage is down on the first floor. So you have to move all those big band instruments, all the things that you're using for practice have to come down to the stage when you're doing a performance. We don't have adequate space for dressing rooms and storage and all those things that need to go along with our performing arts program. Um, and some of these red spaces over here that sort of bleed into the STEM, the blue uh, classroom and STEM cluster our fabrication spaces, so for sets and costumes and those kinds of things, so that all of these sort of fabrication spaces can work together, so students have access to all those tools that they need uh, to really drive their own learning in some of those disciplines. Um, the blue spaces over here on the far right-hand side are the classroom wings. So that we're envisioning right now, the eastern wing would maybe be STEM and math and, and all of that. Um, three levels high at the high school uh, to have enough capacity. Um, and then um, the similar for the humanities and the language arts mm -hmm. and the leadership um, down on the western side of the school. So this is just the level two of those plans. You can see the media centers, which is what we call libraries now because they're more than just books. Um, they're all about uh, all different kinds of media. And again, some more project spaces. And then the level three is just the top level of the um, of the high school. So again, it looked like the the mechanicals and all of the structures for you know um, all the systems and things are all common. So there's yes. one in the full building. Yes. You're, you're not looking at one system for one right. and those things. So that there's a that's real exactly right. So these dark gray spaces that are kind of to the north of the visual and performing arts um, in some of the the few interior spaces that we have in the way the building is designed are these are these mechanical systems and that will run both buildings. And obviously the performing arts area can the middle school will also be able to you know take advantage of Absolutely. having that right there as well. So yeah. Um, some nice shared things as well. Exactly. Um, so we ran through the floor plans. Um, we're running a little short on time, so I will just suffice it to say that the building is being designed to be LEED certifiable. We're taking into account all of those kinds of things. Um, we're planning for solar panels to provide about half of the electricity that we need. We can't do more than that unless we buy the panels and batteries and all that. All that stuff is still up for discussion. Mm -hmm. There'll be a, I'll get to the end and, and we'll talk about it, but there's another 12 months of design work and priorities that we'll have to make within this budget that we're setting for ourselves now. So we haven't exactly decided every single attribute, especially when it comes to sustainability. There's still some things that we're considering that might be put into the project. We would have to make space for them by taking something else out. Um, 
security. Um, part of the reason we chose the concept that we chose for the schools is it moves them off of Dorset Street mm -hmm. and puts them off to the, the eastern side of the property. It gives the security team a, a longer line of sight so they can see who's coming on and off the property. Um, the real thing is that the schools are designed to really promote a sense of inclusiveness, mm -hmm. to have common spaces where students can come together with passive supervision from adults. Right now, especially at the high school, there are opportunities for students to kind of isolate themselves and everyone's so crowded you can't just sort of find your friends in one big group space. There isn't that space. So people have sort of divided up into their little niches and they know where their friends are going to be. And it doesn't really promote a sense of everyone, you know, learning to work together and be together. And studies have shown, there are white papers about this, that really the biggest thing for preventing any, you know, major issues with regard to security is promoting that sense of inclusiveness and making sure that kids feel like the school community is there for them. And that's what the buildings are meant to do. Um, there are all kinds of design features, which we won't go into tonight, but there's a lot more in the community meetings that are coming up if people have questions about those. But through design and through location and through site design, we've really thought about security carefully. And then I'll show you just a few pictures of the campus and we'll spend a few minutes on cost and we'll wrap up. So this would be an overview of the campus. Again, the middle school off to the left, the shared kitchen and, and resources in the middle, the high school and its three-story classroom wings, and then the physical education and athletic center. The playing fields would all be near Dorset Street with appropriate netting. We keep getting questions about foul balls on Dorset Street. Um, another thing that we liked about moving the, the campus back to the east side is that this allows us, we don't have drawings on here of our current schools. It allows the academic program to go on uninterrupted in the current buildings without having to put kids in trailers, um, without having to have kids in buildings that are being renovated with dust and noise and electrical problems and those things. It allows us to just kind of keep going while all these will put up a fence and those buildings can be built. Now there are challenges obviously for the athletics program. Right. Right. Um, Fields are going to yeah, be. Pat Burke um, and Mike Jabour are working really hard already with St. Mike's and UVM and Tree Farm and other places and their idea is to find a home for each of our sports for the years that this is under construction and we'll have a plan in place for those by the time we would break ground. Yep. So this would be the middle school entrance, um, one concept for it. The high school entrance the Physical Education and Athletic Center, and looks really short again because we're taking advantage of the natural features of the property to kind of drop it down a level. This, just a couple of pictures of the potential for the inside. This could be what the middle school dining commons could look like. This is called a Heller Upstair. It's kind of these wide bleacher stadium seating almost that kids in other schools have really found a nice place to eat lunch. They can be used for all grade meetings. So they can fit over 100 people and you can have a full grade, a full team in there uh, to have a meeting. This is what our theater could look like. We're aiming for about a 750 seat theater. Mm -hmm. We only have about 445 now for our, our, our size of 925 students. So that would be about 500 seats on the floor and 250 in the balcony, which also opens up more opportunities for community groups who might want to use this for performances, who can't really use our current space very well because it doesn't have enough seating. Um, this is a potential look for the inside of the physical education and athletic center. There would be one competition basketball court, which could be covered over for other events. And then the others would be the same rubberized surface as the track and the infield. These bleachers would be able to be pulled out over the end of the track yep. for big events and would seat about 1,100 people, which means that not only can we, um, can we host all school assemblies, which we have trouble doing now, we can bring graduation back onto campus, which has been a thing that the community has really hoped for for a long time. So in summary, we really think this is the right project. This doing nothing is just simply not an option given the age of our buildings and what we can expect from them over the next several years. 
uh, we really came to the conclusion after a lot, you know, years of thought and study that the renovations are just not sufficient. They, as soon as you start to add on the things that would get us to the educational model that we want, um, those renovations quickly become very similar in cost to mm. building new buildings. And at the same time, they give us much less flexibility to do that. And they increase disruption. So that's a big challenge. Um, the new schools, as I've already gone through, I won't go through all the bullet points, will address the needs that we have um, for educational model, uh, for integration of special education services, uh, for safety, security, health and wellness, and sustainability. Um, so we will move on to the cost, which I know people are curious about. Won't go through this entire process, but suffice it to say, um, after given direction by the board, the architects spent months really working with faculty, staff, students, uh, community members, lots of events, lots of work on site to make schematic drawings that were sent off to a cost estimator in November. At the same time, we sent them off to a local construction company uh, for pre-construction services as just a very small contract they bid for. And they did two different separate cost estimates as a kind of check. And they checked on the phasing as well to see if what we were thinking was realistic. And then they spent December and the early part of January reconciling those cost estimates. And we came to... One minute. Okay. We came to a, a, a reconciled construction estimate of about 200, 199 million with soft costs. We did some value engineering to take out some things. Um, with soft costs, that gets us to the 209.6 million we've been talking about. Um, I won't go through impact assumptions. The data points that we've been sharing, obviously we have these big tables that talk about it, um, but for about uh, for a homeowner who's paying based on property tax who is not income sensitized, um, the average cost over 32 years of the bonds would be about $1,500 a year. Um, for a, a homeowner who does pay on income sensitivity and has an income of about $70,000, it would be about $438 per year. Um, and again, uh, timing, we would hope to break ground about a year after a positive bond vote and be finished by about October of 2024 with the students having moved in in January of 2024. So I'll just leave this slide up here if you have any questions for me um, to talk about um, community meetings. So our first community, well, not our first community, one of our many community <laughs> meetings, um, one of our last community meetings before the vote, I should say, um, is tomorrow um, at the high school yeah. from 7 to 9. There's a whole range of ways if people want more information to go and get it. The website that we talked about is up there if people have more questions. So sorry that that took so no, long. No, no, there's a fine. lot of information to share because there's been a lot of thought and a lot of work that have gone into it. The main thing here is, is that people know they can come to you, mm -hmm. that you're available. There's a lot of meetings coming up. They can go and get their questions asked. Um, and don't vote unless you really get yourself educated about the whole thing. And uh, we want to say thank you to you folks. I know this is a lot of work. We know, <laughs> you know, and you got the kids' interest at heart, and I appreciate that. Um, I want to say thank you to our viewers, and you can find this this program and many others like it on, on ch17.tv or at cct.org. And uh, again, keep tuning in to us. You can find this information. Thank you, folks, for being here tonight. And that concludes our program.